Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, knee-deep in the best sports month of the year. Baseball playoffs in full swing. Hockey around the corner, NBA right behind that, and of course the NFL weekend kicks off tonight with a game that could signal the beginning of the end for a lot of folks in Chicago. All that more, let's go. Here we go! Only one place to start. All right, the one place to start is with pro football as we roll on. We've got the assembled members of the hashtag crew around us. Hashtag Hembo, hashtag Bubba, hashtag Cam. But the biggest hashtag of them all is the big fella, Damian Woody, good enough to hang out after we finish. Get up and talk some football with us here. Thank you, big fella. No, good to be here. We missed you terribly last week <laughs> um, as D. Wood was not with us for his usual Thursday, but it was for the best of reasons. Tell everybody what last Thursday was. Yeah, man. I was. Uh, my high school had its uh, first inaugural Hall of Fame, and I was uh, inducted into my high school Hall of Fame and then field being – being named after and everything, so it was it was a great, uh, great moment, man. Great moment of time to spend with family and people I haven't seen in quite some time. Yeah, let, let's not bury that as modestly as you just did. Not only were you inducted into your high school's Hall of Fame, they named the field after you. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm that's not. I'm not that type of person. So I'm you know. that type of person. <laughs> if anyone names anything, if they name a sandwich after me in a deli, I'm going to bring everyone I know in there to see it. I want them all to see. Come on in and have the greeny sandwich. Uh, you seem like you're like you're just you're just too good a man. You're too modest of a man. You should bask in this. I would do it. I'll bask for you. You bash for me. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do all of that. But again, it was uh, it was it was a great honor, man. And like I said, it was uh, it was good, especially to have my my youngest, you know, my my eleven year old son to see it all. Uh, listen, it couldn't happen to a better person or a more deserving. So we're proud of you and we're ecstatic for that. And now here you are. And so let's dive into this. There's so much stuff going on. Let's start with the first game tonight of the weekend, which is tonight, the Bears at Washington. And look, the Bears have become. Just the saddest team. Uh, Kimberly said it so well on TV the other day. She said, watching the Bears makes me sad. There's nothing about them that makes you happy. Even last week when things seemed as though they're turning a bit of a corner offensively, they let that get away in just the worst possible fashion against Denver. So give me the scenario tonight against the commander's team that had a real shot to beat Philly last week. I think they're good. Their defense is certainly stout. What do you expect from Justin Fields tonight? Yeah, he's listen. That 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 commander's front is very good. I mean, they got first rounders all across the board. Um, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough challenge again. We know this this uh, Bears offensive line is hasn't done the greatest of jobs of protecting the quarterback, and a lot of it is on Justin Fields as well, holding on to the football. I think it's going to be imperative. The Bears need to use the quarterback's legs more, like more design runs. We you know Dan you know Dan Olowski referenced it and, and get up. They only had one. Design run last week. Yeah. Like, how can you have an athlete like Justin Field and you don't even utilize that aspect of his game? So, listen, this thing could easily go south quickly in this game against against the Washington Commanders. And whenever you play bad on national television, that's usually the, that's usually like the the precipice or something bigger to happen. Right, and you know. Unfortunately, that could be something that happens with the Chicago Bears. Right. With the coaching change, perhaps maybe we even get as drastic as that just five games into the season 
We'll see. They have the little mini buy that the Thursday provides. Hembo, what is the number on that game tonight? It's a six. Washington it doesn't is a six feel point like favorite. enough. I'm very confused. See, this is an interesting thing. The people in Vegas, they're not just geniuses. They're sorcerers. I'm telling you, they, they, there's something magic about what they're doing. And, and I will use Sunday night as an example, D. Wood. Right before the Jets kicked off against Denver, a game, excuse me, against Kansas City, a game in, I thought the Jets were going to lose by 50 points. I turned to my nephew who's sitting next to me. I said, what's the number on this game? He said, seven and a half. I said, seven that, and a half. That number came down. It, it, from nine and a half. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's no way. Like I said, they're begging you to bet on Kansas City, which means they know the Chiefs aren't going to go over. And then not only did the Chiefs not cover, but Patrick Mahomes slid on the one-yard line rather than scoring a that's touchdown right. that would have covered the that's spread. Right. And I said, that's like, a, that's like a magician. That's like a wizard. That's like a, 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 a sorcerer, like the stuff that they know. So this line, to me, Hembo, Hembo uses the term smelly line. This feels like they're begging you to bet on the commanders at home, which suggests it's going to wind up being closer than I think. Yeah, this would be a, a fade-the-public uh, game if you're one who's inclined to do so. Right now, 72% of the public is on this number. Washington minus six. It really? opened at minus five, actually. So, like, right now, the, the, the public is essentially dictating the fact that this is going in that direction. Right. The reason this number is not massive is because the total is only 44 points. So, if you think the game's going to be played in the low 20s, it's hard to spot a team more than seven points because... They just don't think there's going to be that many points. Their Bears' offense is, I mean, excuse me, defense is so bad. So bad. I mean, yeah. after what I just saw Sam Howell do to Philadelphia <laughs> last week, right. what's he going to do to Chicago, who's playing on the road on a short week after a heartbreaking loss? Sam Howell's played well. Like, he has. He's taken a ton of sacks. But if you control for that, he's been a top 10 quarterback this season when they've kept him upright, and the Bears don't have a pass rush to speak of None. at all. None. That, that's a tough spot for the Bears' defense tonight on a short week. Put, put, the, put the house on Washington tonight, <laughs> which is the reason that you absolutely go the other way. All right, Greeny, the big fella, D. Wood in, uh, in studio with us here. A few other things I want to get to while I have you. Let, let's talk about Dallas and San Francisco on Sunday night, a game that kind of feels like a little mini Super Bowl. Like we, we have those games periodically during the NFL season. We've had some games that felt big. I thought Miami-Buffalo this past week mm. felt big. There have been a few big-feeling games. This one feels like it's the biggest game of the season so far. What will decide it? Forgetting who we think wins. What will decide who wins the game? There are so many angles, but I'm going to go back to Dak Prescott because I've always said the Dallas Cowboys are a front-running team. Mm-hmm. They, their defense, you know, in, some of their win, in all of their wins, their defense has just suffocated the opposing team. Mm-hmm. Not only suffocated them, but created scoring opportunities which is allow basically let Dak Prescott and the offense off the hook. Well, when they played the Arizona Cardinals, they were in a fight, and Dak Prescott couldn't make couldn't couldn't overcome that. So, what I'm interested to see, listen, you're talking about two heavyweight boxers going at it. Mm-hmm. Can Dak Prescott go blow for blow with that other heavyweight on the other side of the ball, other side with the San Francisco 49ers? So I Hembo really showed today why. I have him here. Uh, you know, Hembo is a researcher at heart, and while he now does a lot of other things, that, that's still where it is all based. I literally asked him live on the air. Here's the thought that jumped into my head. While we're doing Get Up, I'll take everybody behind the scenes. Everyone is talking about Dak struggling against San Francisco. Every, he can't get it done against them. That defense is his kryptonite, all that stuff. And I found myself thinking, 
they're probably the best defense in the league. They must do that to every quarterback. It's probably unfair for us to just be laying this at the feet of Dak when I'm sure they were just as good, San Francisco's defense was, against Rodgers and against Stafford and against Hurts and against all the other quarterbacks they faced in the playoffs. And so literally live on the air, I just shouted out to Hembo on television, get me those numbers. And within like a minute, you did. And they told a story. Dak Prescott's QBR against the Niners in the playoffs the last two years is 41. That scaled 0 to 100. Yep. All the other quarterbacks, which include Stafford, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, and Jalen Hurts, which we can use an asterisk next to because that was the game in which Brock Purdy got knocked out. But right. even so, those quarterbacks combined to have a QBR of 56. So what we're saying is that Dak Prescott has been 15% less effective, less efficient, less good against the Niners' defense in the playoffs than all the other quarterbacks in the league over that span. And, and to, to be clear for everyone, I mean, that's a big number, right? 15% or 15 points in the oh, QBR yeah. is a, sign- a meaningful difference. A massive delta because you only have 100 points to scale that. But generally speaking, everything is sort of between 30 and 70. So the difference between 41 and 56 is the difference between winning and losing in most cases. And then, so there you have it. So that answers the question. Sometimes numbers are the best way to tell a story. That it has been about Dak, at least in part, and it is on him to get it done Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, listen, look at the last, look at the last time we saw Dak Prescott play against San Francisco 49ers. I mean, what he had, what he had like two turnovers in that game? Yeah, he, two, two, two bad two, picks. Two in bad that picks game. in that game going yeah. up against a rookie in Brock Purdy, who outplayed him in that game in the, in the playoffs. So again, we can talk about the physicality. We can talk about. The Dallas defense being able to tackle the 49ers, you know, who are, who are infamous as far as run after catch, you know, yak yards, I like to say. But again, I'm just going to bring it all the way back to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is going to need to play his A game. He's going to need to play his best performance against the San Francisco 49ers team in order for the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. Can I give you uh, one more quick number? Yeah, please. He mentioned the front-running nature of the Cowboys, how they're a defense into offense team. In their three wins this season, they scored 38 points off of turnovers. In their one loss, they scored none. None. So that's a very clear um, story that you're telling where early on in that game, is that defense playing downhill or not? Because that will very likely determine the performance of Dak Prescott. I, I feel like they've, their defense has actually scored 38 points in those three <laughs> yeah. wins, not just turning them into points. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. One more, obviously, Jets-Broncos is a very big game to me and many others, including you, D. Wood. And there's so many angles on this game I could ask you about, but I'll ask you this one. As a former player, there is a huge revenge angle in this game. Sean Payton, I'll remind everyone now, the coach in Denver came in there replacing Nathaniel Hackett, not directly because Hackett was fired before the season ended last year, But he came in and he basically said, look, this guy did one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history last year. Full stop. Jets obviously all upset about it. Aaron Rodgers said, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. Now, Rodgers isn't there to do anything about it, at least not on the field this week. How much of a factor, all that smoke, to use a term you like to use, Mm -hmm. how much does that actually impact the week and the game? Well, listen, Coaches always try to use any type of nugget to really gain that. Because the game of football is, is psychological. Coaches always try to use a, a psychological edge, provide an edge whenever they can. And so Sean Payton just offered it up in a layup 
for the New York Jets. So, yes, they have been, when they said that, they, they, you know, all the players and everyone over there, they were talking, oh, we're not going to forget this. We play you guys in a few weeks. We're going to revisit this whole thing. Now, here's what I'm going to say. There, Salah is not going to say, he's saying all the right things. That, you know, it's not a big deal. We're going to focus on, you know, like uh, Harry said, keeping the main thing the main thing. But I'm telling you right now, behind the scenes, that's all, that's, it's prominent. I guarantee, I guarantee you it's all over the place at Florham Park. They're talking about it. But it doesn't matter once you kick the ball off. Once you kick the ball off, then you just got every, you got to go out there and play football. One of the things that, that came up I, I, over the many, many years I was doing the radio, the Mike and Mike show, was that the difference it can make in the game is that all week long, attention to tail is at, at its absolute peak. So over the course of a long NFL season, no team takes the opponent lightly when the ball is kicked off. Right. But what happens is, did you spend that extra hour in film, you know, watching it? Did you lift those extra weights? Did you do all the extra little things? It feels like if there's going to be a factor in the game, it's that. That whatever extra mm-hmm. there is to do, you will have spent this week doing. Yes, absolutely. You're going you're gonna to really hone in on the preparation aspect. And we know that, you know, if you can gain an edge in some type of way, it, can, it usually correlates on the field on game day. So I'm sure those guys are doing everything possible. Not that they weren't doing it before, but when you have stuff look like this happen, where you have words from your you know, opposition, now it, it, it heightens everything, heightens all your preparation. I expect them to come out and have a good game. You're the best, big fella. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for hanging out extra here. As always, always there when we need you. Greeny with you. And, and you were there with me in my lowest moment. I will never forget, D. Wood was there when Aaron went down. You were there to console. <laughs> you were there to lift me up. I was there. You were there to sleep in my daughter's room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was well literally said. I was literally there. You were there to eat the chicken steak and shrimp nachos. All of it. That we had that night. Yeah. Uh, you're the best. Thank yeah, you, D. Yeah, Wood. what? Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Coming up next, two different people in very different ways committed the cardinal sin of sports. And you'll hear who and how right after this on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. And I'm about to offer some unsolicited advice to two different people, neither of whom necessarily need it for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I will do it in conversation with hashtag Hembo that you've heard from already and hashtag Cam and Bubba who are with us as well. And the unsolicited advice I'm going to offer to both Evan Neal and Lauren Holiday, while what they each did were totally different, And on some level, both understandable, the unsolicited advice is actually the same in both cases. And this is not just a sports thing. Something that I have learned as my life has gone on, and that I think this is wisdom I can impart to all younger people, and and maybe even some older, is no one's life is perfect. Everyone's life has ups and downs. Everyone's professional life, everyone's personal life, everyone's existence has good moments and bad. And if you're not concerned with the troubles of others, don't expect them to be concerned with yours. Now, this goes to a different level when we get into sports largely, because there's another layer that is added, which is that the perception of most people is that your life is better than theirs. That isn't actually true. I'm here to tell you that how much money you have changes the dynamic of your life in a million different ways. But it is not what makes you happy. It is not what actually dictates whether you are a happy person or not. But that has nothing to do with it. What I'm talking about is don't expect other people to worry about your problems. So let's deal with Evan Neal. Let's start with him. Very, very high-profile offensive lineman drafted out of Alabama. Huge star. There was a moment in time when we thought he was going to be the first pick in the NFL draft, and he was a high first-round pick of the New York Giants, and he has struggled mightily. He has been flat terrible. And as the Giants are getting absolutely humiliated on their home field for the second time this season on Monday night, he in particular was getting pointed out and booed mercilessly, or at least relentlessly. And Evan Neal responded to that by saying to Daryl Slater from NJ.com, quote, Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? He also said in the interview that the boos that showered the Giants showed some of the fans are fair weather and bandwagoners. Every single part of that is terrible. Now, before I get into the reasons, I will point out, as as you must know, that he did release what I thought was a very well 
Dunn apology later in the day in which he said, I am wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as I am. I let my frustrations in my play and desire to win get the best of me. I had no right to make light of anyone's job, and I deeply regret the things I said. We are working day in and day out to grow as a team, and this was an unnecessary distraction. He apologized, for the most part, for all the right things, and I give him credit. So I'm not going to go off on Evan Neal today. I'm going to say that young people, all people, we all, you could be 56 like me or less than 26 like him, you make mistakes, you say things you regret, And in my opinion, we as a society would be much better off if we accept his apology at face value, say, I hope you understand why that made me so upset. Now let's get on with our lives. Now we all understand that, generally speaking, isn't the way things work. And of course, he's going to get booed even more loudly the next time he is in contact with these fans. And that's fine, because that's all part of the game we're playing. This is the business he has chosen. You want to be a professional football player? This comes with it. To make a ridiculous analogy, but I think it's a good one, I get very frustrated when I hear big movie stars complain about how they're being followed, how they get people going. You know what? That's the business you've chosen. Nothing is perfect. You want to be a big movie star? You want to get paid millions and millions of dollars? You want to be on red carpets? This is what comes with it. Doesn't make it good. Doesn't even make it fair. It certainly may not make it right, but it is what it is. And we all know the rules of the game when we go into them. You want to be a professional athlete? If you're going to do your job really badly, you're going to get booed relentlessly. That is the agreement you have made to be a part of the National Football League. When I say I'm not going to go off on him, I'll tell you what really bothered me about what he said in a minute. But I don't have to go off on him, at least in part because my buddy Don LaGreca did. For those of you who didn't hear this, Don LaGreca from uh, ESPN Radio New York, Michael K. Show, been there since, he'd been there 20 years, and he's been in the market 40 years, and he is a 55-year-old man who has loved the New York Giants, came out of the womb loving the New York Giants. So this was very personal to my buddy Don, and he did not disappoint with his reaction. Are you kidding me? I'd cut his ass. I would. How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers blocked than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. You see him in the mall of Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him. If he wins a Super Bowl, boo his sorry ass. Screw that guy. We're not nobody. Flipping, but how are you taught? How do you condescend to people that pay to watch you play? Poorly, I might add. So Don did not disappoint. And um, that was obviously before the apology. 
Don may or may not accept the apology. What I liked about the apology was that Evan Neal did not say he was taken out of context. He recognized, at least in the words that he typed, he recognized that he was wrong. He recognized why he was wrong. And he apologized. I will take his apology at face value. I will accept it and hope that he learns from it. Don is certainly entitled to feel like he will not accept it, and that's fine. I might feel differently if I felt a little more directly connected to this. But I'm glad Don brought up that part, because here's the thing, and here's what I want everyone to understand. Not only are the people flipping burgers and hot dogs for a living not beneath the football players, but the billionaires are not above them. We are not who we are. We are not what we are based upon how much money we have or how much money we make. And if you think you are better than someone who makes less money than you, or you think you are less than someone who makes more money than you, you really need to sit down and assess a lot of things. What we do for a living is not who we are. How much money we make is not who we are. It changes the dynamic of your life. I'm not in any way suggesting otherwise. But the most important point that should be taken from this is that not only is Evan Neal not better than someone who's flipping hamburgers or hot dogs, but neither is anybody else. And they're not worse either. We're all just doing our best to get through life. And the only goal at the end of the day that is really worth striving for is happiness. However it is one finds that happiness, that's up to them. So I'm glad that Evan Neal apologized for that specifically. You want to call the fans bandwagon jumpers? You want to call the fans fair weather? I don't even mind that. But what you were doing is you were suggesting that because you're a professional football player, part of which came well beyond your own control, that you are above people who do jobs that you're now describing as lesser. And that's the part of it that is so extraordinarily galling. Well, let's go around the room here and see what everybody else thinks. Hembo, quick thought. Well, I mean, Evan Neal is right now playing on a contract that guarantees him $25 million to, to play football for a living. And as Don uh, very articulately put, uh, those are $25 million paid for by the exact same people that he just insulted. Everyone is rightfully piling on Evan Neal. As far as the apology goes, candidly, it doesn't mean much to me. Um, it's better than saying nothing. It's better than excusing his statement, but it is what it is. I mean, there was a 0% chance he was not going to apologize either on his own volition or through the team and and whoever they might have sent his way to write that thing. But either way, the one quick comparison I'll make as a potential redemption story is one in which I can relate to as a Phillies fan. You might recall, and we talked about this on this show, uh, early last year, Phillies had a third baseman, have a third baseman by the name of Alec Bohm, who after making an error, his second one of the game, fans were booing him mercilessly uh, in a game in April of 2022, last year. And it was very clear and obvious on the TV broadcast that he said, I bleeping hate this place after that happened. He was asked about it after the game. He apologized for it afterwards. He wound up becoming a fan favorite and uh, when the Phillies clinched last year, he quite famously said, I bleeping love this place. So that to say, like what Evan Neal did yesterday was terribly wrong, inexcusably wrong, but not unforgivable. So let's always remember in life, like we can also show a modicum of grace to people that make clear and obvious mistakes, even mistakes as egregious as this. Right. Okay, good. That's well said. I think you and I said similar things. Bubba, what do you think? Well, like we said on Tuesday, I was at the game Monday, and I was I was sitting behind the Giants bench, and and I actually saw him, and because I was surprised, no one no one mentioned this on Tuesday anywhere. I, I don't know if people just didn't notice, but 
I saw him at halftime when the the crowd was booing. You know, people were saying terrible. Th- I heard people reference Joe Judge. The, the fans were very upset, as you can imagine, the entire game. But as the team was going out at halftime, they were just raining boos down. And then Neil is just going like you know, raising his hands up to make him louder. He was the only person doing it, and I was just I noticed him like. What? That doesn't. That's not going to go over well. And I brought it up the next day to uh, Cam and, and Devin, our old friend who's a Giants fan. I was just talking. I'm like, this. That's not going to go. I don't know what his deal is, but if he keeps doing stuff like that, that's not going to go over well with the fans. Now, I didn't expect him to go to this next level, but I just I I saw him do that. And I just couldn't believe it was going to get to this level. And yeah, I mean, to Hembo's point, there was no chance he wasn't going to apologize. I mean, the classic notes app on your phone apology is always great, but um, yeah, I mean. I mean, we'll just see. There's a chance for redemption, but I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming the Giants fans are not going to be taking too kindly to him when he steps on the field next. No, time. of course not. And, and and a couple of quick thoughts on that. First off, the fact that he was doing that, I'm sure that's the reason he was asked about it, right? Now, the right. other players weren't asked, or I don't know if the other players were asked about the booing, but I'm sure that is the reason that he specifically was asked about it. As far as the other part, I don't like the idea that we're dismissing people's apologies because we knew they would do it. Like, hmm. that's not their fault. So what you're suggesting is, no matter what apology you offer, it's not good enough because we just knew he was going to apologize. You were, you were dismissing his apology before it even happened. There were bad apologies and good ones. Mm-hmm. This was a good one. If he had said, as Don sort of hinted, I was taken out of context, tried to deflect in any way, he didn't. Whether, whether someone helped him write it or not, whether these were his words or not, whether it was in his heart to do it or he just felt like he had to. The bottom line is he apologized and he said he apologized for the right stuff. So if you're going to say, well, there was a zero percent chance he wasn't going to apologize, then, well, then you're just basically saying no matter what he did, I'm not interested in hearing it. I guess what I'm saying is that was going to happen and we all knew that it was going to happen. But truthfully, the only way that this the only way that this uh, fence can be mended is over the course of time. He did the right thing afterwards. What I'm saying is the damage that he did originally was more damaging than whatever he may have um, you know, made up for with the apology. Of course. I, look, I talked to, there's a few Giants fans around the office today, and they're still seething mad despite the fact that they read the apology. So that's kind of what the fan base thinks. Like, yeah, he did the right thing, but that doesn't mean that we're going to wash the slate clean. Like, this is going to be the kind of thing that takes time for him to rebuild this relationship. Understood. Fully understood. I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. I am just saying we have to stop dismissing apologies. Like, apologies are meaningful. The only way we learn in life is by making mistakes. He made a big mistake. I get it. You're mad at him. You should remain mad at him. The problem is, one of the things that we do now is we just cast people away. Get him out. I never want to hear from him again. I never want to see him again. I want him gone. I want him banished from society. That's not a good idea. People make mistakes. Everyone does. This was a particularly big one, and it was a particularly public one. But we have, to, we have to accept people's apologies as a society if we're going to continue as a civilization. We have to accept that people make mistakes, and they apologize, they atone, and we forgive. Like, as bad as what he did was, people have done worse. Mm-hmm. People do worse every single day. It just isn't in the newspaper. But when, when you say for because I remember, you know, the, the most recent thing for the Mets thing, at least, was what we referenced the other day was, Baez and all them were doing yes. the thumbs down. Right. But they, they, from at least what I remember, their apology was in the locker room, and that's what I remember seeing. And I, 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 I essentially forgave them because they, 
I heard them speak, and right. they gave an actual apology. It wasn't to me the notes app apology is a, is a tough look when it's just I'm just going to type something up on my phone. Whether he typed it, someone else did. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like all right, you got to get something out real quick. Do this. Do, like speak in front of a camera and explain how you feel, and that's what the Mets players did that time. And because what they did was really bad, but they explained. They said their side, and the fans turned and. Baez had a great run at the end, and they were cheering Baez because I think he spoke theoretically from the heart. Where right now we just have words on a mm-hmm. and an app on his phone Understood. that we have no idea who typed it, what's happening, and I think to me that's the biggest issue with the apologies, and that's why I think what Hembo's saying is ninety nine percent of these apologies are always just Twitter app whatever because they're never in person or vi- you know wherever, and that's I, I hear think you. That's but a, the one of the, the reasons why is that. Let's think about that. Why is that? Because we will pick apart every single word of an apology. If you sit there and you try and speak off the top of your head and say, I'm sorry for this or that or the other, people will be listening for any little part of it that they want to pick apart and say he didn't apologize the right way. So you've got damage control experts now who are sitting there helping him with the language, telling this is what you want to say. This is what you don't want to say. He's going to get there today. The locker room is going to be open. He's going to talk to the reporters and he's going to say it. He was trying to, they were trying to sort of stem the tide of this thing last night as it was swirling like a tornado and he wasn't going to be in there in time to do it. I guess he could have filmed himself in a video on his phone or mm-hmm. something like that, but he'll have the chance to do what you're talking about later. I'm not saying that what either of you are saying is wrong. What I'm saying is more generally speaking, we've gotten to a place now where we dismiss apologies before they even happen. Right. Uh, he's going to apologize, of course, because everybody does. And then, and, 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 okay, they don't even want to hear it. Like, if you look at what he said, what he said was right. He said the right things. I, it was wrong of me to, to well, let me get the words again. I am wrong for lashing out. I had no right to make light of anyone's job. I deeply regret the things I said. I apologize. I mean, at, from the time he did it, you're either saying, I will never forgive him no matter what, or you can say, this was the right first step back. I will boo him. And I'm going to have to see it proofed, and I'm going to have to. This is not going to go away in ten minutes. But this was the right way to start. Right. What Bubba and I are saying is, it's easy to be skeptical because yes, he said the right thing, but he also just posted it. You know, and that's there's a level of skepticism. Like there's there's that because the things that he said were quotes. What what was written and posted online was something that could have come from anywhere. So that's why I said it's going to take time, and we're going to have to hear it come from his lips. That's all. There are other pieces of this story as well that we've not even gotten to that I will coming up in a moment. Plus, there's a whole other situation, something totally different, in which the same rule was violated in a very different way. We'll talk about that next on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, and that's not the only place you can find us. You can watch us on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for hashtag Greeny and enjoy. You can also listen to our program on the ESPN app or Sirius XM Channel 80. So we're sitting here talking about 
apologies and Evan Neal of the Giants uh, sticking his foot directly in his mouth and maybe in other places as well with his abhorrent comments yesterday in which he, in my opinion, most gallingly suggested that people who flip hamburgers and hot dogs are somehow beneath him and all the rest of that. And then we got into a conversation about whether an apology should matter in a moment like that, and I will forever believe that it should. I will forever I will ever, forever go back to the idea that the only proven method of learning anything in the history of human civilization is trial and error. And half of trial and error is error. We make mistakes. We own up to them. We apologize for them. We move on. And if you learn the lesson from it, then we have accomplished something as a society. If we just yell at people and say, get away from me, I don't care what you say or do, you're now dead to me, I get it. There are some things that rise to that, and there are others that don't. I guess you can make up your own mind whether this is something that should or shouldn't. What I'm saying is we have turned a lot of jaywalking kind of offenses into murder one. There's another, when I, when I started this, I got into it by saying unsolicited advice, and it is to never ask people to worry about your problems. And I was fascinated by the reaction to what Lauren Holiday posted yesterday. I don't know how many of you know her, but she herself is a world-class athlete. And she is married to Drew Holiday of, um, well, I was about to say of the Milwaukee Bucks. He is no longer of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's now been traded essentially twice in the last five days. Um, and he's now on the Boston Celtics. And she released a thing uh, which I thought was thoughtful and interesting about the effect that it has on a family when a basketball, when a player of any sport is traded. My kids have to change schools. We've become dug into this community. I think her point was an interesting one, and I understand what she was trying to say. Just, she was basically trying to say, look at this from our side. And that's why I began this by saying, just don't expect people to worry about your problems. They have some of their own. And I looked up some of their history there, and they've done magnificent work in the community. Again, they are both high-profile people. They are both world-class athletes. They are both people who get it. She didn't do anything wrong except expect people to take what she was saying in the way it was intended. I clicked on her statement and looked at all of the comments coming back, and every one of them was predictable. You make $25 million, a kid can go whatever school they want to. Mm -hmm. You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And what I'm reminded of are two things that were said in a similar vein by two people I like. One of them is Jay Leno. Jay Leno, when he was at his height as the host of The Tonight Show and a huge star and making a ton of money, I remember seeing an interview with him one time, and they asked the interviewer asked him why he seemed so happy all the time, and he said, you know, in life, you've got to know when you've got it made. That's the truth. You've got to know when you've got it made. That's the way people perceive you. If you're a professional athlete making tens of millions of dollars, that's how people view you. Jerry Seinfeld was asked why it is that he doesn't ever seem to lash out at the paparazzi that follows him around everywhere. And he said, because I've learned I must accept everything in its totality. Mm. I wanted to be a TV star. I wanted to be a huge comedian. I wanted to make all this money. And this is what comes with it. And that's the point. You want to be a professional basketball player? You want to make the tens of millions of dollars that come with it? I'm not telling the holidays anything they don't already know. This is part of the deal. You might get traded. This is the business you've chosen. This didn't sneak up on anyone. This has always been the way that business is run. 
And by and large, it is a wonderful life, a wonderful way to make a living. Now, I, I, I absolutely understand that having to move your family suddenly and all that kind of stuff, that's complicated. I totally get it. But you're never going to expect or you cannot expect people to feel bad for you when they perceive your life to be so extraordinarily good. And the truth is, it is. Their life it doesn't necessarily dictate their happiness, but their lives are extraordinarily good. They are living their own dreams. Most people don't. And if you don't recognize that, then you are going to wind up saying things that are well-intentioned and wind up turning people completely off. And so I saw a lot of split reaction to it yesterday. I saw a lot of people who took what she was saying at face value and said that was a poignant, interesting insight into what a person's life is like when something like this happens. But the majority of what I saw was basically the equivalent of, oh, please shut up. I don't want to hear anything about this. And while I certainly fall in the former category, I understand the latter. Right, because what, what has just happened to the holidays, by, no, by any reasonable standard of measure, could not be described as a hardship. He's going to be, he's going to be making $35 million to next year play for the Boston Celtics instead of the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I understand. Like I actually, I read your entire statement, and I actually found it to be poignant and 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 well intentioned. Um, but it comes from a place where, like you said, you're just never going to win in the court of public opinion when you're complaining about the fact that your life is by an order of magnitude greater than anyone's that's reading your statement. And so, like, I'm with the, I'm kind of with the public on this. Like, even if it's all true, and it might be all true. It's just not the kind of thing that you're going to ever, that you should say out loud because you're never going to win. I hear you. Now, look, you are very unlikely in your lifetime ever to make the same amount of money mm-hmm. that, that he makes. But I hope that you will someday have a really big, super high-profile job. You deserve it, make tons of money and all that kind of stuff. And if all of a sudden one day the company you're working for comes to you and says, we're not renewing your contract, you're done, you're out, and you wind up having to pick up and move your family someplace else, even if you wind up getting another job that pays you just as much money, and a, but all of a sudden, Michelle and the other one have to go from one school to another, and Lizzie's got to pack up the house, and you got to be there on Monday to start the new job, and she's got to do all of that. That is a hardship. That is. That is, a, it is, a, it is an upheaval in your life. It is real, and it should not be dismissed. The problem is, no one cares because everyone has that. That's the point. Everyone has it in some shape, matter, or form. No one's life is perfect. That's how I started this conversation. Whether you make $35 million a year to play basketball, or you are flipping hamburgers or hot dogs, as Evan Neal suggested, or everybody in between, because most people are somewhere in between, your life is not perfect. Don't expect other people to worry about your problems. Right. In this case... This is the life you have chosen. Right. This is not the life that has been forced upon you. Like, like you said, like that's the that's the important thing. That um, the Seinfeld thing that you shared was was that's a, that's real, that's wise. Like that's that's a good that's a good piece of wisdom there because like if you're signing up for something that you have to understand all of what comes with it. Like you said, the totality of things. I I, I you know I didn't have the same kind of like outrageous reaction to what she said that so many did, yeah. but I do totally understand why fans would sit there and say, "What do you expect me to feel badly for you?" It's a, like it's, it's it's just not something for which fans could possibly, you know, on balance feel bad for right. you. Right. I don't know that she wants people to feel bad for her as much as she just wants to give you a glimpse mm-hmm. of what this is actually like. We don't do glimpses very well in our society anymore. All right, we continue in just a moment here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 
or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.